Hello, this is Monty Montgomery, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And welcome to another edition of Clubhouse Conversation it's your host, Davo. Thrilled you've decided to spend some time with us today as we're joined by Monty Montgomery. That's right, the first Monty. We know Jeff Montgomery, who we spoke with recently in the Royals Hall of Fame, but Monty Montgomery, way back from 1971 to 1972, was a right-hander who started some games for the Royals, also pitched out of the bullpen. Monty Montgomery finished his big league career with a lifetime mark of 6-3. and three. An impressive 2.78 ERA, and he was a lifetime Royal, which we love here on Clubhouse Conversation. Monty Montgomery was taken in the ninth round out of tiny Pfeiffer College in North Carolina back in 1968. He worked his way up through the Royal system. Unfortunately, after his two years in KC, had some arm issues that kind of ended his career prematurely. But Monty Montgomery, nice enough to join us here on Clubhouse Conversation a true Southern charming gentleman. Monty, how's everything going? I'm fine, Dave-O. How about yourself? Good. It's good to finally talk to you after all this time. Well, uh, I agree. Uh, I obviously did some research. Uh, indeed, I went out to the website, uh, Clubhouse Conversation, and and uh, it's quite uh, it's quite unique and, and admirable, admirable what, you, what you're doing. Listen to some of the conversations, and uh, it's pretty neat. I like it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, too. Well, if you love baseball, uh, as you do, um, I have no doubts. Well, how's everything going out there in uh, Virginia? Well, it's very hot and very humid, but uh, it's summertime, so that's to be expected. And being an old baseball player, it really doesn't uh, bother me as much as it does uh, me, or say my wife and, and some other friends of mine here in the area, but... Uh, uh, Everything seems to be going quite well. In fact, I'm, uh, uh, since I am a hot weather type person, being an old baseball player, I'm uh, thinking about playing some golf this afternoon. There you go. You should do that. Hey, how does uh, how does the South's humidity and heat compare to Kansas City's? Well, you know, there, there were some summers there, especially uh, uh, I spent most of my baseball summers in Omaha, Nebraska, but uh, still I can remember. Uh, what Kansas City was like, uh, especially in in uh, September, and and it uh, it gets real hot out there as well. But I think uh, I think probably the humidity seems to be a little worse around here. For some reason, uh, the East Coast, uh, especially the Northeast, being as uh, as polluted as we are, uh, it, it seems like the humidity is not quite as bad in, in the Midwest. And of course, uh, you keep going further west. Towards Arizona, it's really not bad at all. But but uh, the humidity is pretty bad uh, here during during the summer. But not the entire summer. We usually have maybe one or two weeks, three weeks maybe, where we'll get on a roll and temperatures will be possibly uh, 95 or or higher for a week or so, uh, and then it goes back to normal. Normal being anywhere from 85 to maybe 91, something like that. Very cool. Well, let's get a couple updates here. First of all, your brothers were both tremendous athletes, too. I know your brother Kent pitched in the San Francisco organization, and then Don played both football and baseball at, at NC State and got a tryout with the Bills, right? That's correct. Uh, these two were my first sports heroes and still are uh, heroes to me. Uh, Don was uh, the oldest brother. Don was absolutely the, the best athlete from the family. Uh, best all-around athlete uh, I ever saw, and others over the years have have uh, agreed best overall athlete to come out of Albemarle, North Carolina. He he was outstanding in all three of the the major sports there at Albemarle Senior High School, and and performed very well at NC State, both in football uh, and, and baseball. Kent uh, absolutely uh, was a left-handed pitcher, so which automatically means. Uh, he, he's, he's probably the goofy one of the three since he uh, is left-handed, uh, but uh, did a great job uh, those two years he was in NC State. He, he started off at Wingate uh, 
college and then uh, transferred to NC State. And and his uh, statistics there at NC State for those two years speaks for speaks uh, speak for themselves. And uh, when he was in Lexington, North Carolina, playing Class A ball, I went up to uh, to see him uh, on a couple occasions. As it worked out, uh, not only got to see him, got to see uh, Bobby Bonds play before he went to the big leagues, and that was quite a quite a thrill. Uh, so uh, those those two older brothers of mine kind of set the standard for me. Uh, uh, were my first sports heroes, and still are. That's great. Now, how about you? The last you know forty years or so, what have you been up to since you left KC? Well, uh, basically, in terms of uh, baseball. Uh, probably at the end of 2013, uh, I'd been out of baseball, mm, I guess, uh, 30, 39 years, uh, because uh, when when uh, when the Cleveland Indians released me uh, at spring training in 75, uh, the shoulder had not come back, so I came on home. So, so basically over the next uh, 39 years, probably 30 to 32 of those years, uh, I'll just say at least 30 of those years uh, I, I, I continue to coach and be active in baseball, most of those years being well, on the high school level and or American Legion, uh, that, that age group. Uh, now, other than that, uh, I taught in the uh, public schools here in Henry County, uh, which kind of surrounds uh, Martinsville, Virginia. Uh, I taught uh, elementary uh High school on the high school level and coached for the first four years, and then I went into textiles, and I was in textiles basically for uh, 29 years. And as we went through those 29 years, of course, uh, the textile industry started to go offshore, uh, mainly into China and Southeast Asia. So I, I, I stayed in the textile industry for 29 years and left uh, at the end of 2008. Uh, and then uh, retired also at the end of 2008 since at that point in time I was 62 years old and my wife gave me the very wise suggestion of, well, you know, you're 62 years old now, you can always take early retirement. (laughs) And I did, and I'm thankful I did. So that basically was was it. I was on the high school level, then went into the textile industry uh, where I stayed uh, uh, up until uh, uh, 2008. That's great. That's great. Well, I used to actually live in Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple of years, so I know the Albemarle area pretty decently. So you went to high school there, and you pitched, but also played shortstop. So if somebody would have told you back in high school that you'd be pitching in the major league someday, would you have believed them? Did you think that was even possible back then? No, I wouldn't have believed them. I would probably would have laughed and said, uh, well, you know, it's just a dream, but uh, you know, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's uh, going to happen. Uh, reason being, yeah, I was, uh, I had had success there, obviously, in the, the youth leagues and on up into the high school level and even uh, uh, on the American Legion level. Uh, knew I had a pretty good fastball. Uh, curveball was uh, so-so. Uh, tremendous competitive drive, which still exists. It existed as a coach, and it exists when I, on any golf course I walk on. I uh, I'm chomping at the bit to compete uh, against that golf course, but no, I, I never would have thought that particular boyhood dream uh, would have would have come to realization. Even though uh, I was uh, successful, uh, I still continue to think about in those days. You know, I just didn't see myself uh, along the same lines of of. Uh, of the Whitey Fords and and the Bob Gibsons and and all those others that I had been following in the 50s and on into the 60s, I just didn't I, I just didn't perceive myself as being able to uh, to do what what, what they could do. Uh, but uh, obviously, all of that uh, uh, changed, and a boy uh, a boyhood dream was uh, was uh, fulfilled. But uh, I just collected the baseball cards. Uh, had tremendous fun playing baseball, uh, but just kind of laughed about uh, the possibility of pitching in the major leagues. Well, you would through the NIAI or NAIA. There we go. Gosh, it's early. <laughs> At that yeah. level, you went to Pfeiffer College. Uh, you were all conference and all district back in 1967. So, what made you choose Pfeiffer? And then, what are your favorite memories of, of your college days? Well, I, I, 
actually, I, I kind of thought, uh, and it was expected by many, uh, including my family, uh, to follow in the footsteps of my older brothers. Well, uh, I did apply to North Carolina State, uh, was accepted, then hopefully uh, trying to get uh, uh, an athletic scholarship uh, that did not come to pass. My family, uh, my parents, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, we were pretty poor, and so they just simply uh, could not afford uh, the tuition at NC State. Well, uh, as fate would have it, uh, the good Lord entered my uh, my life in that respect, and uh, the college coach there at, at Pfeiffer College had come to, to see me pitch my last uh, baseball game for Albemarle Senior High School. It was in the playoffs. I went a complete game, but we lost. And I had been this man's bat boy for the Albemarle American Legion team uh, for, for for one year. And he uh, he, want, he he approached me and, and uh, after that last game and, and, and wanted me to, to come to Pfeiffer. Uh, so I decided to go to Pfeiffer. Best Best thing could have happened to me because Coach Joe Farabee, one of the greatest, greatest baseball coaches, in my opinion, to walk the face of the earth. His his statistics speaks for themselves. Uh, he was he was the one he was the one coach that started to started to build me and grow me and and and, and get me headed in the right direction as a uh, as a pitcher. Uh, so that, that that's how. That's how it worked out going uh, going to Pfeiffer. Uh, my best, uh, I guess, my three best memories at, at Pfeiffer. Of course, Coach Joe Farabee, uh, a tremendous influence in my life uh, as well, uh, on and off the baseball field. Second, uh, uh, Coach was uh, he had that team there for roughly 30 years, uh, and unfortunately for Coach, and he had a lot of good teams there. We only had one to go to the NA. A national tournament. And that was our 1968 team. We had managed to get as high as number two in the nation in NAIA, and uh, we were able to go to the to the national tournament. Uh, a third memory: um, my junior year of the 1967 team. Uh, even though we were very successful, uh, and we but we got put out in the playoffs. When I look back on that, uh, two things happened that. Uh, uh, make me quite proud, and at the same time humble me. Uh, always continue to to be humbled at uh, what I accomplished uh, for that uh, for that team. The way it worked out uh, during the year, we were playing Presbyterian College out of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at Pfeiffer, so I I pitched the first game of the doubleheader, shut them out on maybe three or four hits, threw about close to sixty pitches. Well, Coach Farabee. He asked me at the end of the game, uh, he said, well, we're now we're only going to have about a 15-minute rest. And he said, you've thrown maybe 60 pitches. And he said, do you want to start the second game? I said, fine. Uh, I felt good. I said, yeah, fine. I'll start it. So I go out there, and I get off and running again, great defense behind me. And I'm throwing up, uh, continuing to throw up goose eggs. And next thing you know, uh, uh, shut them out again. We won the game, and I wound up pitching uh, both games of that doubleheader. Both of them were shutouts. I think in both games they got maybe four hits off on me, something like that. Probably wound up throwing 120 pitchers or so, but still felt good about it at the end of that second game. And and uh, when I look back on that, I'm thinking, you know, that was that was pretty neat. Uh, I, 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 uh, I, really, uh, I really feel good about being able uh, to do that. I, just, I was just on that day. And then also at the end of um, – 1967, Coach Farabee informed me that of all the college baseball pitchers in the state of North Carolina at all levels, I had the lowest earned run average of anyone. It was, I think it was uh, uh, .62. And uh, and, uh, when I look back on that, I'm thinking, you know, there were a lot of college pitchers uh, throwing that baseball in 1967 and have the best earned run average of every single one of them that's also pretty neat, and I'm I'm very thankful, very thankful for that, uh, being able to 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 accomplish that. Uh, those are those are undoubtedly uh, you know my fondest memories. I, I wish I could say I pitched a no hitter, but I didn't. 
Uh, took uh, one into the ninth inning in our conference tournament in 1967 against High Point. Lost it uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, was pitching a uh, game down at Atlantic Christian, which is now Barton uh, College. Had a perfect game. This was a doubleheader as well, second game. Had a perfect game with two outs in the bottom of the seventh. And a kid, uh, and in all honesty, I mean, he flared it right over second base, <laughs> threw the ball where I wanted, outside, and he did a neat little piece of hitting, threw it, flared it over second base and and robbed me of, uh, of a perfect game. Wish I could say a... Uh, I, I had accomplished that in my lifetime of pitching, but uh, uh, was not meant to be uh, there at Pfeiffer. The only thing I was able to do at Pfeiffer in terms of a no-hitter uh, was we had Davidson at home, and I pitched the first three innings. Two of my teammates, uh, uh, one of the guys, this was in 1968, another guy pitched uh, four, five, and six. Uh, the other guy pitched seven, eight, and nine, and we no-hit Davidson. Uh, and that's, uh, that was it for, for my Pfeiffer career. That's great. Well, then the Royals would eventually draft you in the ninth round of the 1968 draft. So before we talk about the day you were drafted, how did the Royals find you out of Pfeiffer? Is there any cool story? Do you remember the first time they saw you or the first time you met them or anything? Well, I do. Uh, and, again, it all goes back to Coach Farabee. Coach, Coach Farabee had, had maintained a lot of uh, uh, scouting contacts as the years went by. Uh, now, if he had uh, any... Uh, scouts and or the Kansas City scout to come see me. I was not aware of it. However, uh, apparently if they did come to see me, and I finally met uh, a Kansas City scout, and uh, Lord help me uh, right now, I can't remember his name, but when we went to the national tournament in 1968, Coach Farabee surprised me, and and he asked me if uh, uh, I wanted to start the first game against Glassboro State out of New Jersey. Uh, who at various times over the years, over that year, had managed to attain the number one ranking. Uh, and he, he asked me if I wanted that first game. Well, <laughs> my God, being the competitor that I was, I said, yes, sir, I'll take it. <laughs> no problems. So he puts me out there, and I pitched the first inning. It's hot, and I'm, uh, and I'm kind of coasting. Uh, so they scored three runs off of me in the first inning. Uh, he meets me before I got to the dugout in the bottom of the first. He said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, it's a hot day, Coach. And I thought, you know, I thought I'd kind of time myself, kind of, you know, coast, uh, you know, uh, through this hot weather. And in those brilliant eyes of his that were shooting sparks, as far as I was concerned, he said, well, tell you what, Monty, uh, you go out there in the top of the second and continue with that, you're going to coast yourself right over here in the dugout because I'm not going to stand for that. Uh, boy, that, that shook me up. So I go out and I put up eight goose eggs, and we win the game. And at the end of the game, he introduces me to this Kansas City scout. And uh, got it for a while, and he t- the, the, the Kansas City scout said, "Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna turn your name in, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, hopefully you'll be available and uh, you'll get drafted." So uh, that was my only experience talking with uh, a Kansas City scout. Uh, that was. Uh, there and uh, uh, we were out in Missouri somewhere actually uh, uh, St. Joseph's Missouri that's where it was uh-huh. and I met the Kansas City Scout uh, after that game and uh, as fate would have it I was uh, drafted in the ninth round that is so cool what do you remember about the day you were drafted where were you at and how exciting was that well uh, at that point in time uh, uh, we had obviously come back and I received a phone call and uh, actually, it was from uh, Sid Thrift, huh. uh, who was one of the top uh, top uh, scouts in the uh, organization. And Sid Sid uh, called me there in Albemarle, North Carolina, and he wanted me to come up to High Point. Uh, uh, in 1968, uh, that was their first uh, year of being a co-op team in the Carolina League. And we were called the High Toms, and he wanted me to come up and uh, sit down and uh, chat about uh, signing a contract. At the same time, he wanted me to bring a glove and some cleats because uh, he said that uh, he wanted me to, uh, in essence, uh, pitch there uh, at Finch Field. Uh, the manager of the High Toms wanted to take a look at me, and it could be that if I did sign, uh, I could possibly start off with High Point or Sid would uh, have me sent uh, somewhere else. 
And I said, sure, I'll be, I'll be willing to do that. And so the first thing I did was uh, go out to Finchfield, and I pitched uh, for Sid Thrift, and also pitched for the manager of the High Toms, a fellow by the name of Jack McKeon. So, uh-huh. um, Jack liked what I saw, uh, so we went into negotiations uh, with Sid, or I did, and uh, I was an easy, uh, easy sell. Uh, d- don't mind admitting that. Uh, so once I signed, uh, then Jack uh, told me that he wanted to keep me there at uh, at uh, High Point. Best thing that happened to me uh, professionally. Uh, first thing was getting to pitch in the Carolina League in 1968. Tremendous Class A uh, league. A lot of good ball players. Uh, that I pitched against, and pitchers that were there in the league that year went on to, to, to pitch in the, and play in the major leagues. And second thing was uh, pitching for uh, Jack McKeon. Yeah, well, you did well, too. You started 18 games that first year. You went 5-5 five and five with a three three four ERA. But for those who never saw you pitch or who can't remember what you threw, tell us what did you throw, like, like speed-wise and then pitch-wise? Well, I basically had three pitches, uh, fastball, curveball, and change up. Uh, I was basically a fastball pitcher. I was consistently uh, eh, 88 to 90. Uh, there may have been a, a handful of times over the years. Uh, I can remember one time for sure in Double A, but there may have been a hand, handful of times over the years when I uh, I went beyond 90. But I was not. I was not a consistent uh, uh, 90 plus pitcher, and uh, I, I didn't come close. Uh, to being in the neighborhood of uh, of Nolan Ryan, who, who pitched against us out in Anaheim one night, didn't was wasn't even in the same ballpark with guys like that. No, uh, played against some guys that uh, that threw harder than I did. Uh, the fight of blue for for Oakland, uh, James Rodney Richards uh, pitched for the Astros among others. Uh, no, I was not in, uh, in 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 their category. But I I had a fastball 88 to 90. I had a good curveball. I threw my change up, not that much, just to keep them honest. But probably going back to Coach Farabee, he was the one that, that, that convinced me you got to control all your pitches. And I really, really worked hard on my control those last two years at Pfeiffer. And I was able to pretty much uh, take those three pitches and consistently, especially the fastball, consistently uh, put it where I wanted to put it. Well, then in 1969, your second year, you went back to High Point Thomasville, and you were even better. You had a 2.67 ERA, didn't get the run support, so you finished 4-6. and six. But in the second year, you played for another famous manager, Harry Malmberg. So what do you remember about that second year? And then, and then what was it like playing in High Point? Is, is the stadium still there today, and what was that stadium like? Uh, when I look back on my seven years with Kansas City, I basically only played for four managers. Uh, I played for Jack McKeon, Harry Malmberg, uh, Bob Lemon, and uh, uh, Billy Gardner uh, that last year of 74 down in Jacksonville. So I only played for those four guys over those seven years. Now, in 69, uh, my elbow started to bother me a little bit towards uh, the end of the year, and uh, that's when I had uh, elbow elbow surgery up in uh, Baltimore, Maryland uh, in October had some uh, calcium deposits, and uh, I think I had a bone spur or something. Had that removed. But Finchfield, Finchfield uh, is one of those that will always be very special in my heart. Uh, I've got Finchfield where I played professional ball for the first time. Uh, neat little ballpark. Hadn't changed much uh, over the years. Uh, I remember getting a phone call probably uh, seven or eight years ago, and they were doing uh, – they were trying to sell bricks, and they asked me if uh, I wanted a brick outside the stadium with my name on it. And I said, absolutely. And I have been down there to see that uh, uh, over the last uh, four years especially, and, and we'll continue to go back. But a neat little field, short right field porch, short left field porch. Actually, it wasn't that deep in the center field uh, uh, to the point where, in, of course, 1968, I saw Tony Salida. Uh, he hit over 50 home runs for us there. <laughs> Uh, and of course, Tony uh, uh, played uh, in the big leagues with the Yankees and so forth. But anyway, neat, neat little track. Uh, still is. They, uh, they really, they've added some bleacher seats and so forth, but they haven't changed it all that much. Um, and it's just a wonderful ballpark. The only other ballpark I really remember 
uh, well, two others. Uh, uh, Fleming Stadium down in Wilson, North Carolina, was where I made my first professional start. That stadium still exists. They still have college ball down there, uh, and and as does Finch Field. Uh, the the Coastal Plains League college players uh, will play there over the summer. And then uh, they no longer play in Ernie Shore, Ernie Shore Field in Winston-Salem. That's where I got my first professional win against the uh, uh, Winston-Salem Red Sox. Made my first start against uh, uh, Wilson. They were the twins that year. As a matter of fact, the guy I pissed against, Jerry Cram, he eventually yeah. uh, pitched a lot of time for us uh, uh, there in uh, uh, Omaha as well. We hooked up again in Omaha in 1970. Yeah, he made it to Kansas City too, Jerry Cram. And you mentioned Tony Salida. Did you know him at all personally? Because he played for the Royals, and we lost him way too young, obviously. Uh, sure did. In fact, uh, when I started there in June of '68, Tony was Tony was there with the team, and I played with him through the end of the year. And of course, we won the Carolina League Championship. And I just marveled at Tony's uh, power, and so many times watched him take balls out of right field there at Finch Field, just right over that little wire fence that hung up. You know, they, they made an attempt to keep the balls inside if they could, but uh, he had such power. He just took them right over the, right over the wire fence and uh, uh, that was attached to the regular fence. Tony was a wonderful guy, wonderful guy. Uh, uh, I was not aware that, uh, and I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, you are, but I did not receive any notification when we lost Tony. But it was a, it was just a thrill to watch him walk up to the plate that summer because you, you just never knew when he was going to hit a home run because he, he had such power. And he had home runs all, probably at every ballpark in the league. But the right field at Finch Field was very, very friendly for Tony Salida. Yeah, he lost his life in a, like a land dispute. It was really a sad situation. Um, uh, but so 1970, you spent the year at Omaha there. You went 11-6 and six and 3-5-4. And you guys won the American Association title that year. So what do you remember about, uh, about that year and, and then pitching in Omaha, Nebraska? Well, the, the, probably the main reason I did go to Omaha in 1970 was Jack McKeon. Um, didn't, uh, uh, didn't go in 1969 because, again, it had to do with I was finishing off my, my schooling at uh, Pfeiffer, and so they just said, fine, you know, when you travel back and forth to uh, High Point and then uh, finish, you know, play there. So I did. But uh, when I went to spring training in 70, uh, Jack, Jack remembered me. Jack uh, uh, respected me and liked me as I did uh, him. And so uh, he took me to Omaha in 1970. Uh, never will uh, forget Rosenblatt Stadium. Uh, I realize they built a new one there, but, but that Rosenblatt Stadium was one of the most beautiful stadiums I had ever walked into. Loved pitching there, even though it was up on that little hill and the wind tend to, tended to blow out, but it was... God, it was just a, a, a beautiful stadium. I'll never forget uh, Rosenblatt Stadium as long as I live. Now, being in AAA, which uh, obviously is uh, uh, the last level before you get to the big leagues, I knew that it was going to be much more competitive than Class A ball. And the fact that I never at that point in time knew what Double A ball was about and I didn't know what Rookie League ball was about, I knew that I was going to have to uh, – I was really going to have to control my pitchers and and do well. Uh, and at the same time, AAA defense is really, really good. Uh, those AAA hitters are good, but that AAA defense is really, really good too. Uh, so I just went out there and, and uh, tried to throw strikes, uh, tried to keep my ball consistently down, and uh, the defense paid off, and, and, I, and I did get some good run, run support. In, uh, in 1970, uh, and I was very, very uh, pleased with that. Uh, probably highlights of that year were uh, obviously the playoffs and, and, and winning the, uh, uh, the American Association Championship. Yeah, we went to Syracuse and we lost to them, but, but still it was just a uh, phenomenal year uh, for me and for our team and, and once again uh, continuing to play for Jack McKeon, who, who continued to, 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 to teach me more and more about uh, how to pitch on the professional level. Well, the next year, 1971, would obviously be a very, very, very special year for you. So you spent some time briefly at Elmira in AA, also Omaha. You combined with a 3-4-3 ERA. You went 10-11. and 11. You had 
two two hitters at Elmira and one one hitter at Elmira. And then in September, the Royals call you up to the big leagues for the first time. So what do you remember about that first moment you got the call to the big leagues? Is there a cool story or memory with that? Well, uh, Harry Momberg told me uh, there in Elmira, we had gone into the playoffs, uh, and we were uh, we were going to open up with uh, Three Rivers Canada. And by the way, their leadoff batter in 1971 was, was Ken Griffey, huh. uh, senior. So, uh, Harry told me that as soon as the playoffs were over, that I was going to the big leagues. Well, obviously, tremendously exciting, but I never, never tried to get way ahead of myself as a pitcher. I knew I was going to get that first game in Three Rivers, and so that, that became my focus. And uh, we went on to win the uh, Eastern League Championship, and, and then uh, uh, I flew into uh, uh, to Kansas City. Um, when we got there, uh, I took a cab to the to the field. Go walk in the clubhouse. Uh, pre-game activities had already started, so I threw on my uniform. Uh, walked out of the dugout, and the first thing I see uh, is not the field. The field itself was blocked because that particular day against Oakland, uh, the pre-game activities involved uh, apparently some type of beauty pageant, and I didn't see any of the field because third base. Of course, our dugout was on the first base side, but, but third base was lined with ladies in short shorts. First base was lined with ladies in short shorts. And so I walk out, and I see that. And I look to my left, and I see my teammates down in the dugout, and I look back at all these beautiful ladies out there, and I'm thinking, hey, my God, this, this really must be the, the big leagues. I never saw anything like this in the minor leagues. I have arrived, my goodness. And... Uh, uh, so, of course, uh, once all, all of that was over, uh, we got down to baseball. Jim Catfish Hunter walks to the mound for Oakland. Uh, I go down to the bullpen by the uh, – uh, well, you know, I go down to the bullpen. Uh, but uh, I stood uh, – I got, I got where I could, and I watched uh, Catfish do his thing, and I'm thinking, whoa, now this, this guy – this guy knows how to pitch. Now, you might think you're a pitcher, but this guy this – guy, is at a whole different level than you are. So I watched and I watched and, and tried to learn from how Catfish uh, set up batters and so forth. Couldn't throw as hard as he could, but tried to watch how he, uh, how he did what he did. And then, of course, the second night, uh, the second night was when I made my, my debut on September the 14th. But that was really, really neat, that first day, first day in the big leagues. Uh, go, and then, of course, once it was over with, we uh, go in the clubhouse and, you know, they – uh, they got the spread in there, and you know, I'm getting to talk with my teammates and so forth, just kind of trying to relax. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys that uh, had already uh, yeah, said, yeah, you can, you can stay with us until you find find somewhere else to stay. And, and it, it was just really, r- really, really neat. I, I loved it. Who was that guy that you stayed with at, at first? Well, actually, uh, uh, Paul Splitterworth. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, who, we were, we were uh, roommates. Uh, on the road in 1970 in AAA, uh, oh, what a what a wonderful a wonderful uh, pitcher he was and human being. I, I had so much fun with Paul, and it was just so distressing uh, when we lost him. But yeah. but uh, Paul said, uh, "Well, and, hey, come on over until you uh, until you find you uh, somewhere to st- to stay." But but again, that 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 that, that was Paul. Uh, he, he was he was kind of a small town like I was, and and. and a uh, very humble uh, human being, and uh, about his baseball exploits and so forth, and his wife Lynn, uh, first class. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Paul took care of me until I found me a place to to stay. Well, he also was indirectly, or I guess directly involved with your first outing on September 14th, like you mentioned. So you relieved him after he got hit in the knee with a line drive, and you went six shutout innings with four hits and four Ks. You got the victory. That first day pitching in the big leagues. How exciting was that? Well, uh, even after all these years, uh, it's hard to put into words what it felt like uh, uh, walking to the mound that night of the 14th. And um, I just happened to turn around, and I looked up at the message board, and it said Montgomery uh, making his major league debut. And it's just a tremendous moment, humbling, but also a very – filled with pride that 
but you know your boyhood dream. I mean, this it, it, it was just almost surreal uh, when I looked up there and saw that, and, and the boyhood dream had been uh, fulfilled. Um, and then when I turned back to the plate it, it, again, it, I was very, very competitive and very uh, tried, to, uh, very, very focused. And I said, "Well, now it's time to do your job now." And uh, Bert Campaneris, of course, was the leadoff hitter. Paul had. Paul basically had only faced nine hitters. Uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a ba- it probably was a base hit, and and then we and then Freddie and uh, Cookie turned a, turned a double play, uh, and and so uh, Campy was the leadoff hitter, and I I tried to get the ball uh, away from him uh, to get him out. I had two strikes on him, and and he just hits a line shot right by me, and of course falling off falling off to the left side like a right-hander does i didn't have a chance to get my glove back over there so when i turn around and i'm thinking my goodness the first guy you face in the big leagues is going to hit just a frozen rope to center field and when so when i spun around all of a sudden i see freddie Potek coming out of nowhere his arm stretched out to the to the limit and uh he didn't have to dive for it but he was leaning out as far as he could go and, and the ball went in his glove and the first thing that entered my mind was well, you've heard about big league defense. You're here, and that's what it is. And you know, let's just keep keep doing your job. Oh, it, it was just phenomenal the way those guys played defense in the big leagues. And Freddie and Cookie, uh, the way they could turn double plays. Amos Otis in center field. He could he could go get them in the alleys. And and of course, the hitters we had up there, uh, especially with Sweet Lou Pinella in left field, uh, one of the better hitters that. That, that I played with, obviously the greatest hitter I played with was was George Brett in 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 AAA in 1973. But but uh, it, it, uh, it it never ceases to amaze me. Every September the 14th, uh, you know, I just kind of revisit that and how very special it was. And then, of course, I always uh, conclude by uh, being ever so thankful to God uh, for allowing me to fulfill that boyhood dream. I know I I probably never will see that. Because uh, I've gone out and I've Googled, uh, and the TV station there in Kansas City at that point in time that was uh, taping our ball games. If I don't know how much it would cost me, but I'm not sure I would really be concerned about that. But if I could get that Kansas City Royals game from September the 14th, 1971, uh, so that my kids uh, uh, could possibly uh, see that uh, and watch that in the years ahead, I'd like to see it myself. Boy, what a blessing that would be! But uh, that that major league debut, there's nothing like it. And I don't think you'll ever find a ball player out there uh, who will ever, ever uh, be able to, to to really say, "Hey, there's you know, yeah, I may have I may have done better after that first first uh, game. I may have done better. And I, who knows? They may have played for 20 years for all I know. But but there's something special when you make your major league debut. There's just absolutely something special. Yeah, well, you finished off 1971. did really well. You uh, gave up two and three runs, respectively. You went deep into games. You got the wins. You were 3-0, and and so you had to feel good heading into 1972. And then in 72, you made the opening day roster, but then because of off days and random pitching schedules, you only made four appearances to start the year in April. So you went back to Omaha until September, and you won uh, seven of your last eight in Omaha. You had five shutouts in Omaha. You led the American Association with seven uh, shutouts that year, so so that 1972 season, was that pretty fun as well? Yes, it was. Uh, but I mean, play, first off, uh, playing on the major league level, it, 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 it's fun. And, uh, just going to the yard, even on those days I, I didn't pitch. I mean, going to, a, to the major league ballpark, uh, it, it was fun. And playing for Bob Lemon, uh, God, was that fun. Uh, ex-pitcher, Hall of Famer. But, but, but Lem, Lem being an ex-pitcher, you know, he, he knew how to handle you. And so it was. It was fun playing for him. Uh, but in '72, since that was the strike year, and we broke spring training, and sure enough, uh, we go to Kansas City, and I stay with uh, with Paul and and Lynn, and and by then they had their first daughter. So yeah, uh, I was staying with them while we were uh, Marvin Miller and the guys were working their way through the, the strike situation. But one label that was hung on me, and it may very well have been true. Uh, uh, was that I was uh, not a cold-weather pitcher. And quite frankly, 
you know, I, I can't. I really can't remember. Uh, I do know that I always preferred to pitch in warm or hot weather, and 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 it may very well have been that in cold weather, like cool weather, like in April, you know, probably my statistics for the month of April, uh, be it the minor leagues or the or, or in '72. Uh, well, obviously the stats in '72 weren't good there for April and May, uh, and, and who knows? Maybe I was a better warm weather or hot weather pitcher. Maybe I was. Um, it very well could have been. Uh, and so when they when they sent me down to Omaha in 72, uh, actually my arm felt good, but I, you know, I just wasn't doing the job. And on the professional level, you know, that's what it comes down to. I don't think the weather had anything to do with it. I just wasn't doing my job. Because, I mean, I had some good some good outings in, in, in April. So, so I think maybe the cold weather pitcher – uh, or a hot weather pitcher might not have been 100% true, but the statistics, I guess, don't lie. I did, I did seem to pitch from June, July, and August and September. I did seem to pitch much, much better. It's just the way that's the way my career shook out. So when I went back to Omaha, God, you talk about a pitching staff. My gosh, <laughs> Jim Rooker, uh, Steve Busby. Uh, uh, let's see, no. Uh, yeah, let's see. yeah, I think no, – I can't remember. I thought Paul was there. But anyway, we, we had a phenomenal pitching staff. And just uh, all of a sudden uh, it started to mesh. And uh, that's, another, that's another statistic that I'm right proud of that continues to humble me as well. I mean, I had made 19 starts there in Omaha in 72 before I got called back uh, to Kansas City. And of those 19 starts, uh, seven of them were shutouts. And I'm thinking, my God, less than – one out of every three times I was going to the mound, I was still on a shutout. So yeah. I, I did indeed get it back together, but, boy, what fun that was. I'd go out there, and then all of a sudden, next night I might watch Rook pitch, and the next night I might watch Buzz pitch, and I'm thinking, whoa, and Jack McKinnon, I mean, I, he loved it. I mean, what a pitching staff. We were just – but we didn't we didn't win the league that year, but, uh, my God, uh, it was so much fun playing uh, with that team that year and the pitching staff uh, that we have. Rook, super friendly, Buzz, Southern California kid, had great stuff. But he he, he was always nice to me, and, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, both of them great senses of humor. It, uh, I mean, man, that, that, that was a heck of a season right there. And then when I went back to Kansas City, uh, of course, that, that, that was the last time I pitched in the big leagues. But before it was over with, I got my one and only – shutout against California, but again, that also I'm proud of. Uh, I'm very humbled by it. It's not that easy to throw a shutout against those major league hitters, and I was very proud of that. Still got the baseball. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, 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 that warrants that. Still got the baseball, of course, from my, uh, from my debut, and I think I've got the baseball from my uh, two wins against Minnesota in September of 71, so uh, 72 was a neat, neat season. It really was. Uh, and I never saw the major leagues after that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't, I don't really, really dwell on that because what happened to me uh, starting in 1973 was, was unfortunate. But, hey, uh, what can I say? Uh, good Lord let me uh, fulfill a boyhood dream. And even though I didn't get to go back, I'm, I'm still, uh, still thankful and still Still proud and still humbled. Well, and yeah, going back to '72. So September 7th was the day you threw that complete game shutout in Kansas City. You had six strikeouts. You had five walks. You finished that year with a 3.04 ERA, and then you went to Winter Ball in Lara, Venezuela. What was that experience like? Well, for me, it started off very exciting. For my wife, uh, I think it started off very exciting. Now, off the baseball field. It was not exciting because we did not get familiar with the food right away, and so we we were hungry for for, for quite a while there until we figured out what we wanted to do. On the field, the first two times I pitched for our manager was Louis uh, Louis Aparicio, and it was a joy being around Aparicio too. Uh, I remember growing up uh, uh, keeping up with him and and watching him play in the big leagues on black and white TVs and so forth, but. First two times I pitched, I mean, I just stepped right out there and boom. Uh, I think my first, uh, my first, the uh, first time I pitched was in relief, and I came in and threw three or four innings, all goose eggs, and we got the 
we wound up winning that ball game. And then my first start, I threw threw ten innings and 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 uh, got the win. And and then the arm went dead, and I really wasn't successful uh, in November, and I wasn't successful going into December. And uh, uh, to the form, uh, they sent me back home. I, I was back home by, before uh, uh, Christmas time. Uh, was disappointed. I was I wasn't able to do the job, but the arm just went dead. Uh, I just didn't have any zip on my fastball. Didn't have any pain. I just didn't, I, it was just dead. And then uh, in '73 was when uh, when I, uh, I felt the first uh, twinge in the, in the shoulder. Now, did did Venezuela have anything to do with that? I have no idea. Uh, at least I did not feel pain down there. It just went dead on me. It could have been that coming back in December and then turning right around in uh, January and starting my running situation and soft tossing when I could, going back to spring training in February. Who knows? Maybe maybe I didn't get, give my arm enough rest. I, I don't know. Uh, that's all uh, for speculation. I just do, do know that... Uh, when I felt that first twinge in my shoulder in uh, around May of 73, May or June of 73, when I felt that first twinge, uh, I don't know uh, uh, what all caused that, but I don't think it was Venezuela. I've been, I've been playing baseball since I was eight years old and throwing everything from baseballs to rocks to footballs to basketballs to uh, you name it. Uh, uh, so maybe it all caught up with me uh, uh, by 73. Uh, but it was neat playing in Venezuela. But until we found out that we there was a grocery store or a store downtown that sold imported Fritos and potato chips, and, <laughs> I mean, well, once we found that out, say, hey, you know, we'll just eat junk food for as long as we can. Then we found out that there was a Chinese food place in downtown Barquisi Meadow. We went down there, we sampled it. My God, that was good stuff. So we ate a lot of Chinese food and a lot of Fritos and. <laughs> potato chips and other things that were imported uh, during uh, our stay in Venezuela. That's great. So 1973, full season at Omaha, and same thing with Jacksonville, a place that I also lived for one year. So 1974, any nice memories of Jacksonville, Florida? Well, yes. One, uh, first off, was Billy Gardner. Loved playing for Billy Gardner. Uh, remembered him when he played second base, Boston Red Sox and so forth. And Billy was, Billy was like Jack and Harry. Uh, and Lim, he, he consistently was low key. didn't didn't go off uh, very often uh, uh, at the team. Uh, nah, might have against an umpire on occasion, but <laughs> Billy was fun to play for. Uh, the pitching staff I played for down there that year, uh, Hal Baird was one of our relief pitchers, and of course Hal and I became good friends, and we'd we'd sit in the dugout or the bullpen and talk baseball, and of course. Uh, Hal uh, went on to be a, uh, a fantastic uh, college baseball coach, both at East Carolina and at Auburn. Uh, Hal was a lot of fun being around, and and some of my other teammates there that year, uh, UL Washington, uh, who's now up at uh, Salem. I think he's the hitting coach up here mm-hmm. for the Salem uh, uh, professional team. I need to get off my butt and go up there and uh, see him. He wouldn't remember me, I have no doubts, but uh, it would be nice to maybe say hello to UL again. And there, and there were some uh, uh, other ball players down there uh, as well. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just fun playing for Billy. I never stepped on the mound a single time that year. Uh, that my arm did, uh, my shoulder didn't uh, feel pain. But I figured, okay. It, it's probably going to be your last year, but hey, if Billy's going to send you out to the mound, then I'm going. And I went out there, and I don't think I probably won more than three or four or five ball games if I won that many. But just the just the competitiveness of the situation, I still went out there. Uh, and Billy let me start Hallelujah, one of the uh, playoff games against uh, the Braves. Uh, and and Hank Aaron's brother was uh, was the uh, coach of the Braves. And I went out there, and of course, you know, by then I'm not throwing. 88 to 90. By then, I'm I might have been able I might have been able to get it up between uh, 80 to 80 85 at best. But I still could control my curveball and threw the changeup, and I still had my control. And so I go out there and, and I get the win against uh, Tommy Aaron's uh, uh, Braves team. And 
I don't know. It must have been three times at least during the game. Uh, he'd yell to me from third base, and I'd look over there at him. I'd be rubbing up the ball, and I'd look over there at him. And he had that look on his face like, how are you getting these guys out? <laughs> and so I would turn to where you know they couldn't see me from uh, uh, from, the, from the dugout. I didn't want Billy to think I was having too much fun out there. But I just kind of just briefly smile at Tommy, and then I'd go back to work. And so we won that game, and uh, that, of course, was the, the last win I got in professional ball. But we won the Southern League Championship, and what a way to go out. I came in, uh, we won a championship in the Carolina League, and I go out, and we won a championship in the Southern League, double-A ball, and uh, couldn't have been happier at, uh, at that kind of exit. In Kansas City, uh, uh, I probably got my release notice from Kansas City uh, probably within uh, easily uh, two or three weeks of, of getting home after uh, after the playoffs in uh, Jacksonville. And then so you went to spring training with Cleveland the next year? Yeah, that was because of my contact at uh, at Omaha. My first year there in 1970, the, the general manager, uh, uh, having a senior moment here, uh, <laughs> Bob, uh, Bob uh, probably come to me after I get off the phone, but uh, <laughs> Bob was our general manager there, and so uh, he was with Cleveland by then. And he gave me a call, uh, sent me a letter as well, and said, you know, we'd like for you to come to spring training that we understand about, you know, you've had you had shoulder problems and so forth. But, you know, who knows, maybe it'll come back. So uh, I was hopeful. So go out to spring training with them, and uh, first time I threw BP, I uh, knew, well, good Lord, it's not, not going to come back. So anyway, they, they had a scrimmage game, and Frank Robinson, who was the manager of the Cleveland Indians at that time, he came out to watch me pitch. And it, <laughs> he saw it right away, uh, and Bob saw it right away. Of course, all the guys on the team had had seen that hey, this guy, if this guy pitches in the big leagues, he didn't pitch there with this with this velocity. Uh, and and so it's, when that game was over, I only pitched about two or three innings. So um, we go back to the hotel, and of course, hey, baseball, professional baseball is a business. So I go down uh, to the restaurant uh, for dinner, and you know. Bob comes up to me. I'm standing there in the line. He says, hey, I'm sorry, Monty. And he, <laughs> he hands me that plane ticket. And, and I knew what it was, but, but again, it's a business. And so I, I just stuck it in my pants and uh, went on and ate and went back to the room, called Joan and, and said, uh, well, you know, just got released from uh, Cleveland. I said, the arm, uh, the shoulder still hurts. It's just not going to come back. I said, and I'm not going to waste my time calling around to other contacts, uh, see if they'll give me a chance. I said, uh, I'm coming home, and, and we'll start a new chapter in our lives. And so I, I did exactly that the next day. That's that's great. Well, did you ever get that shoulder fixed? Did you ever find out what it was, and do you still have pain even today? Well, uh, I, I'm not sure it was the rotor cuff. Uh, if it was, I don't think it was a, a, a serious tear. At that point, uh, uh, I think even uh, I was pitching before uh, – so-called Tommy John surgery. So uh, at that at that time in my my life and at my age, and the fact that Kansas City had Dennis Leonard and some others uh, coming along, uh, they weren't about to spend a whole lot of money on me uh, for some type of shoulder surgery. I think the, the most they ever did for me, other than have it rested, and uh, uh, I think I got a cortisone shot uh, down there in Jacksonville that summer. Uh, but you know that, that that still didn't do do the trick. Now, having said that, those 30 years or so that I coached baseball here in the Martinsville Henry County area, once I got here, and once I got into coaching, I mean, hey, yeah, I'd let the kids throw some batting practice if they wanted to, but I mean, I just boy, I started throwing batting practice, and and I I could throw still from 60 feet six. But I knew that I found out very quickly that if I tried to throw it as hard as I could, uh, I felt that little twinge. So it may have been a slight tear. It may have been severe, severe tendonitis. It may have been something else. I don't know. But I knew, and I knew for over 30 years, because hey, I was throwing batting practice uh, last summer when I was 66 years old. I knew that... Uh, the shoulder wasn't, there just wasn't something kosher there. Any time I'd try to turn it loose, I'd feel that little uh, 
that looked almost like a, somebody standing there with a little pin and was just kind of sticking me in the shoulder. Uh-uh, you can't go any further, big boy. Back off. <laughs> and uh, so I did and continued to throw batting practice uh, all the way through uh, 66 years of age. And I think the reason I did that, Dave, is because if the good Lord ever did anything for me athletically, and he did, the one thing that I ever did in my life athletically that was the most fun thing to do on the face of this earth was pitcher baseball. I have never felt as happy or, or, or as having as much fun as standing there on the rubber pitching a baseball. God, that, that, that will be the most fun thing I ever did in my life athletically. Hmm. Well, have you ever been back to Kansas City since 1972? No, and, and, and I don't want to sound unfair, and I don't want this to, uh, some people may conclude, oh, he's just a bitter old baseball player. <laughs> but Kansas City has never, they have never contacted me. In essence, you know, I've been forgotten about. And, you know, I'm okay with that because I look at it uh, from the perception of, hey, you know, they, if they have an old-timer's day or if they ever invite anybody back, you know, it would have been the likes of a, of a split orf. It's going to be the likes of a Busby. It's going to be the likes of a, a Doug Bird, uh, a Frank White, uh, you know, a, a Cookie Rojas, a Dick Drago, Roger Nelson, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. It's not going to be a Monty Montgomery who pitched, who pitched for us there in September of 71, who pitched for us in May of 72 and September of 72. You know, I just looked at it like that. Kansas City? Okay. Hey, so be it. You know, uh, if you ever invite me, hey, I'll be glad to come. Uh, <laughs> I'll be glad to throw out that first pitch uh, at a ball game. Would love to do that, but I understand. I understand that I didn't do for you uh, what other pitchers and players did, and, you know, so be it. Bottom line, I pitched in the big leagues. Thanks be to God. Well, we got to get you back here someday. Or maybe we'll, maybe I'll come out there and watch a Burlington Royals game with you someday. <laughs> oh, boy, I'd lo- love to meet you. would love to do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, would be, that, that, that would be great. I, I need to do that. These couple of retired guys I play golf with, they, they, they also love baseball, so we – We've talked about it before, going down to Winston-Salem, going down to uh, Greensboro, going up to, to Salem. Now, of course, go down to Burlington. Yeah, yeah I, I pitched in – well, I didn't pitch in the new Winston-Salem ballpark, but I mean, I, uh, the, the, well, I didn't pitch in the new Salem ballpark either. But uh, I don't know if Burlington still uses the, the, the same ballpark I pitched in down there, just if they've just updated it or not. But I need to, I need to go down there and, and see them. But, again, don't let me forget – if, if in the months and years ahead, because I'll soon be 68, if in the weeks and months and years ahead, if there is anything that, that you happen to find out about, the possibility that that tape of that Kansas City Royals game against Oakland on September the 14th, 1971, is in existence, and you can give me a, a name, a phone number, an email address, or whatever, I would appreciate it because I'd love to have that for uh, for my kids and uh, going forward. Yeah. So keep that in the back of your mind, as well as if you do come into this area, would love to go to a ball game with you. If you're a golfer, would love to play golf with you. And uh, hey, who knows if you ever put together a uh, for whatever reasons a celebrity golf tournament, uh, charity golf tournament there uh, in Kansas City, and, and you're looking for so-called celebrities, and I use that in a humbling way. I never have considered myself a, a celebrity when I think about uh, 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 movie stars and, 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 and Hall of Famers and things like that. Hey, who knows? Uh, my wife, she's retired. She loves to travel. Uh, uh, who knows? Might just pile in the car or get jump on a plane or something and come out there and play in a, uh, a charity golf tournament for uh, – for, for the kids or, or or whatever charity you're doing it for. Yeah, you, you haven't even seen Kansas City's new park then. Well, I say new loosely, Kauffman Stadium. <laughs> you got to come see that. And also, did you know that our closer is a North Carolina guy? Is that right? Yeah, Greg Holland. He was in the All-Star game last year. He is from the Asheville area and, and pitched in Cullowee there at Western Carolina. Wow. Well, I keep up with Kansas City and their wins and, and losses, and obviously they're doing 
they're doing tremendous this year. We're in first place for a little while, but uh, I don't uh, I don't really get into the analysis of their players, you know, like I did on into through the through the seventies and of course even uh, the eighties with George Brett there. You know, speaking of George Brett, now you know there's the kind of guy you invite back, obviously to a right. uh, to a old timers game, but George, bless his heart, and and John Wathen, or as Duke is, he'll always be Duke to me. Great Im- imitation of John Wayne. But with all due respect to George Brett, back in the uh, I think it was the uh, late late 90s, no 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 late 80s, late late 80s might have been early 90s. But anyway, Kansas City's coming into Baltimore, and of course our two children two children uh, are with us now, and and I think my uh, daughter was probably she must have been about 10 by then at least, and Brad was closer to probably. 12 to 14, something like that. But anyway, uh, we decided to go up to Baltimore when Kansas City is in town. So we go to the ball game there, and we go there in t- uh, before uh, the game starts. And so I see Duke down there in front of the dugout. So I, so, uh, I say, come on, let's go down there to the screen. So we walk down to the screen, I start shouting his name, hey, Duke. Well, he looks over, recognizes me right away, <laughs> and uh, he comes over. Uh, and we we're chatting, uh, and of course he was the head manager, and we're chatting and all, and uh, bless his heart, I mean it's very easy. He could just wave and said, uh, "Hi, don't have time," but he comes over. Well, about that time, Kansas City takes the field for the infield. What well, Duke? He just turns around, hey George. So George stops about the time he gets to third base, and Duke says, "Look who's here." George recognizes me. All from third base comes running off the field. While they're hitting to the outfielders, comes running off the field, big smile on his face, shakes shakes my hand, I introduce him to my family, and blah blah blah. He stands there for maybe sixty seconds, uh, and we were chewing the fat. And and, and George, of course, George never let me forget it in 1973 there in Omaha. He never let me. He said, "Monty," he said, "Can you can you straighten out your right arm by now?" Because uh, after that surgery in 1969. My right arm eventually became uh, crooked, and it, 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 it settled into about a 45-degree angle. So George looks at me and said, Monty, can you straighten out your arm? And, and I knew what was coming, so I had on a short sleeve shirt, and I just stuck my arm out there in front of him like that with it bent at an angle. And I said, what do you think? He started laughing about his old crooked arm. And then he runs back to third base. And I told my, my kids and my wife after that, I said, you know, I mean, that guy's He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I said, yeah, and I only played with him that one year in AAA, and he could have stood there at third base, and he could just throw up his hand. Hey, hey, hey. But I said, he runs off the field and comes over there. And I said, to his credit, I mean, not only was he a great, great ball player, but that's the kind of person that he was. If he knew you, if he played with you, he'd say hello to you, he'd shake your hand, he'd have something nice to say to you, or he'd have something to tease you about. Uh so I'll always remember that about George Brett and John Wathen, two fine, fine ex-Kansas City Royals ball players. So cool. Well, in closing, and this has been one of my favorite interviews of all time, by the way. So interesting. Well, thank you. Bless your heart. Yeah. In closing, then, what would you like to say to uh, to Royals fans listening right now? I would like to say that the brief time that I was there, I never went to that baseball park, Municipal Stadium. I'm glad I pitched there. I did see Kansas City stadium while it was still being built in 1973 but I never played there but it was it was a great honor to stand on that same pitcher's mound that Satchel Paige and others stood on and it was a great honor to have played in front of those fans in 71 and 72 uh, never did I run across one that that was not polite to me and respectful to me uh, I always tried to sign the autographs uh, uh, they were delightful people, and they were great, loyal fans. I wish I could have played for for them much longer, uh, and I and I would hope I would hope that the day would come. Even though the fans today don't remember me, but if the day were to ever come that where I would ever go back to Kansas City, and I were to ever bump into someone that were to say, "Hey, hi, God, I remember you." Uh, or my dad remembered you, or my brother remembered you, uh, I know that they would say it with a smile on their face and they would say it 
with a, with a lot of respect for, for what I was able to accomplish as a baseball player. Uh, God bless each and every one of the Royals fans from back in the time I was playing, all through the years that I haven't been there, the ones that are there today and going forward. A great city, great baseball fans, and I will never, ever forget that short, short visit that I had and my exposure to the great people of Kansas City, Missouri. Well, we won't forget you either, and, and I really want to get you back here one of these days, so we're definitely going to stay in touch, and, and we'll keep our uh, eyes and ears open for that, you know, that, that first game video as well. And thank you so much for all your time and for all that you gave to the Royals organization. No, thank you, Dave, because uh, you could have done a lot of research, and you have done a lot of research, but you could have always fallen back on, well, you know, let's go with the guys that, 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 that had a bigger uh, a bigger uh, uh, impact on, on the Royals uh, baseball team and statistically and otherwise. And But, hey, you tracked me down and uh, asked me to interview. And uh, it's quite humbling, uh, and I appreciate it. I'll always be thankful for it. And may God bless you and your family going forward. You as well. Okay? Let's, let's stay in touch and talk soon. Okay, Dave, you take care. Okay, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye.